Well, I was looking at the national policy over the last 45 years and it's had some ups and downs and there was certainly a lot going on in the 90s and it sort of tailed off in the last six years or so. Its uh, resources have been uh, majorly reduced and uh, we're at the point where only the very iconic ones are being protected and commemorated at the national level and the rest is under the auspices of the states and local government and Indigenous protection areas. I mean, the ones in the Indigenous protection areas have the best chance, I guess, but they're mostly in northwestern Australia. Can you just explain for us how places of cultural significance are currently catalogued and, and how that's compared to, say, something like you were saying back then to the 90s? At the national level, there is the National Heritage List, which has around 100 places of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander historic and natural heritage significance. And there's also a Commonwealth Heritage List, which is all those places for the lands under direct Commonwealth control, uh, like on army bases and things. They're the two lists at the national level. And what we used to have was the Register of the National Estate, which had thousands of things that people nominated. They thought were important. Some were of strong local significance and some were of state significance and some were of national significance. So there was a broader range of things and the thresholds were lower. So things we wanted to keep had more of a community feel to it. Right now then, if a site was sort of brought forward... How does it determine whether or not it's it's you know protected at a national level or at a you know a state or a territory level or at that local level? Well, when the Australian Heritage Commission was abolished in two thousand and three, the register of the national estate was closed off. The places on it were supposed to be transferred onto state registers and then protected under their legislation. Not all of them have gone on to that because they have been applying different criteria to that which was applied for the Register of the National Estate. And they also didn't get a lot of resources from the national government to do that. So I can understand that you know they're trying to add places that people want currently to go on there, and then they had this backlog of things that they were trying to put on. So there are some places that should be on the state registers or even you know in local council plans or somewhere to be protected which aren't currently being protected. So it does need to be reviewed what has happened to all those places and what can be done to resource more protection generally. Can you give us some insight in terms of that change of policy? Why we oh, saw yeah, that? Oh, sure. yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, now what happened was from the beginning of the 90s, you had the Council of Australian Governments playing around with the notion of federalism and what would be the responsibilities at national level and what would be at state and blah, blah, blah. And then you had Howard coming in in 1996 saying, well, definitely we should be progressing this idea and putting in this uh, principle of subsidiarity, which means that more happens at the state and local level. So the lower levels of government are doing more and the national level is doing less. So along they went and then we had the legislation change to the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act in 99 and then it changed again to get rid of the Heritage Commission in 2003 and so we've got the current system. 
So how did you actually conduct your research and why did you want to conduct your research in this area? I've been working in cultural heritage and tourism in Asia and Australia was always held up as the model of how to do things really well, uh, particularly with cultural landscapes, social significance, cultural tourism and a whole range of things. And just a few years ago, I started to hear some really disturbing stuff that this transition hadn't really been going very well and some people were not very happy with the arrangements. And I looked at the State of the Environment Report which is another process that runs at the national level. It's trying to see if there are major threats and things going on, what general actions are going on at the state levels around Australia. And I was beginning to pick up a bit of a story that there were some major gaps, particularly in funding and protection and how consultation was being done and just talking to people. And I thought, time is right to do this kind of national study And if we could actually invoke some of the early days stuff, like through looking at the Whitlam initiatives that became the Heritage Commission and the Register of the National Estate and the whole idea of the National Estate, we could start to see, oh, yeah, this is the ethos back then. What is the ethos now? Where are we going with this? Is it just all to be done at the uh, convenience of bureaucrats in Canberra or do we really want the community getting back in there and pushing more for what they really want to keep. I decided to have a very consultative process, which meant that rather than just having an academic paper come out of this, I wanted to do the consultation paper, which took material out of the interviews and the online survey that I ran. Because I couldn't go all over Australia, I didn't have the resources for that, I put together a list of people I wanted to talk to in depth with you know, help from my network of people that I know from the old days. And then I had um, an online survey to send around to as many uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations as I could, other sorts of stakeholders who were engaged with um, the heritage places, and just try and get as many responses as I could to the questions I was asking about this and then also send out the consultation paper around for some feedback. And I talked to 20 people in depth, and around 40 people responded to the online survey, and the coverage was pretty good for, you know, all over Australia from that, for a small study like this. And we had the seminar recently, which brought in 26 people from around New South Wales, to hear the results and there's going to be a recorded version of that up on the website as well as the um, final consultation paper soon. In terms then nowadays, how would you say Australia sort of compares to other countries in terms of those policies now about protecting uh, areas of historical and cultural significance? Better and worse. Um, I think it's slipping against OECD countries. It does some things well in relation to protection and commemoration of heritage, but it's not where it was and where it should be, given that people have been putting a lot of work into this over the years. I think it's probably ahead of a couple of countries in Asia, but they're quickly catching up, honestly. They have some really good people uh, working there as heritage professionals and their museums. They're putting in museums all over the place. Uh, I think Australia really does need to look over its shoulder and think about this very carefully. And in 2020, there's going to be uh, 
a big international meeting of the International Council of Monuments and Sites that's going to be held in Sydney. So it really will emerge then how we benchmark against a lot of places, particularly places with first peoples. So then what sort of issues actually arise from not having, uh, I guess, that up-to-date database of the sites or, or even having some of these sites protected now? Well, at the national level, uh, some of the big picture stuff is very difficult for a minister to make policy decisions if there's not up-to-date or particularly comprehensive data. Um, you know, there's that national development initiative going across um, three states in northern Australia. There should be massive um, baseline studies done for that, but funded at the national level to make sure that things are not being destroyed as part of that infrastructure going in. There's also um, quite a bit of tourism development going on. You heard about the World Heritage Area issue where there was a proposal to put a resort right inside a World Heritage Area and... Um, then there's um, some really important sites like Burrup in Western Australia and somebody who recently visited there said there was uh, not much actual on-site management for visitation and there was vandalism going on in the rock carvings. and You know, these sort of things mean that um, uh, there needs to be some sort of coordination and monitoring of what's going on. And, uh, I mean, if the states and territories are just left to themselves, I, I guess things start to run down. It's not seen as a high priority. You know? So somebody needs to champion it at the national level. And they need some decent information to be able to do that. In terms of what you would like to see changing to ensure that we can have these sites protected and have more sites, mm. in fact, registered, what would you like to see? You mentioned, you know, return to some of the older policies that... Uh, representation at the national level? Are there any other things that you think need to happen? Well, there's two things. There's the idea of a 21st century database which uh, communities can contribute to in the way they feel comfortable with. I mean, I don't want them to feel they have to put confidential secret stuff up there, but uh, if they want to have information shared at the national level to be part of planning, uh, I think that option should be there. The response from archaeologists is that they often don't know when they're working near a state border what's across that state border in the other territory. So cross-border staff, uh, somatic staff, when you've got a particular site type, is it the most important? You don't know because you don't know what else is there. A lot of that stuff was possible before and isn't. So the database and some decent research funding to back it up and it's not the sort of research you can do through the ARC. It's not academic style research, it's more applied. So it does need its own special targeted fund. But I just wanted to say that this is a national conversation that should continue beyond this project. I also would like to see various Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations coming to the Whitlam website, looking at the document. You know, if they want to endorse it as a way to help move things forward, that would be fabulous. Or if they just want to start their own advocacy program to push for things to happen at all levels of government, particularly the national, that would be fantastic. Because I think we're at a real crossroads particularly with climate change and all that big picture stuff. It would be good to have people working together on things. Just in terms yeah. of that, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, 
what have sort of been your take and, and, and opinion of, of how they've been reacting to these changes of policies over the years? And, and you know, has it been a source of issue for some of the communities? It must be very frustrating for them. They expect a certain attitude and level of funding and then that keeps chopping and changing. They also would, I, I think, like to hear their views um, listen to a bit more and people actually come out and talk to them. What the Heritage Commission did very successfully was have an Aboriginal liaison officer who would actually visit communities, help with grants, applications, you know, help them sort of work out their priorities. And I think you need to put uh, a human face on these things because the risk is it'll just all be outsourced and you know, you know what the coalition government's like. It will just privatise everything basically and you'll never see a human face. If you could sort of get those sort of systems set up again, people more engaged and some really good management in place, particularly at the community level, that would be fabulous. It's very important for Aboriginal people to be connected to their heritage. It's very important.